Today's episode of Undesign comes to you from the land of the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We acknowledge and pay respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging. Have we started recording? Oh, cool. We're already recording anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Cheeky boy. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Undesign. I'm your host Costa and thank you so much for joining me on this mammoth task to untangle the world's wicked problems and redesign new futures. I know firsthand we all have so much we can bring to these big challenges so listen in and see where you fit um, as we undesign the concept of free knowledge and open source culture. You may ask yourself what is free knowledge? Well have you ever been in a conversation with a friend and they're like hey, what's the name of that movement that seeks to make sure that all knowledge is free to use, reuse, and redistribute without legal, social, or technological restriction? And you think, oh, wow, I'm not actually sure. I better check Wikipedia. That is free knowledge. It is our ability to access all that we know or think we do and to participate in the creating of what we know at a moment's notice. The aspiration is to create a mirror to society of sorts that we can turn to at any time. And with technology... We no longer have to rely on static printed materials from specific publishing houses to learn about events after they've happened. We can now do this in real time. But there's another saying that comes to mind for this one. Knowledge is power. And with these technological advancements, the complexities also intensify. Who gets to participate? How do we manage differing worldviews? Why is participation in this free knowledge so, so important? Perhaps more than we currently realize. Helping us untangle this wicked problem is our latest special guest, Zach McCune. Zach is the current director of brand for Wikipedia and various projects under its parent organization, the Wikimedia Foundation. Zach is also an American filmmaker and graphic designer whose work has been featured in Aero Mexico, the US National Park Service, and the BBC. And just like the most surreal journey down a rabbit hole on some random Wikipedia page, we go from talking about edit wars on the status of cats to how editors seek to bring neutrality when covering device figures like one Donald J. Trump. As you'll see from our chat, free knowledge goes so much further than just updating a page on Wikipedia. Free knowledge is so much older than the internet or even the printing press. Free knowledge is a basic human right. So what does it really mean for knowledge to be free? And how can we make sure people can participate in this important and collective human endeavor? Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you going? So well. Great to be here. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from San Francisco, California in the United States. Yeah, fantastic. And how's the vibe over there at the moment? Uh, the fog is cleared, pretty sunny. People are, are getting hopeful that uh, the rest of the year might have more movement, more chances to see friends and family. And I'm incredibly uh, spoiled because I actually just got to see my mother for the first time in a year. Wow. That's such a long time. Where is she based? She is based in Boston, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up. And okay. she flew out. She got to see me and my brother and her grandson. Oh, and it was a big oh fantastic. Yeah. That's really beautiful, man. Um, I'm happy to hear that. I like. Um, really, really thankful you're here with us today to talk about what feels like a massive topic. And probably, I feel like it's one of those topics that's unfamiliar to people in the abstract, 
But then once you realize, oh, this is something we encounter day by day, that it affects every single person that uses technology. So we're here to talk about and kind of untangle this idea of free knowledge, I guess, is the best catch-all we could come up with. Um, can I throw the floor to you to tell us a bit more about what free knowledge is and like why we're even talking about it? Ooh, yeah. No, I'm overjoyed to talk about free knowledge. So I'm uh, joining you from my role at the Wikimedia Foundation, and, and we're a nonprofit that runs Wikipedia as well as um, almost a dozen other free knowledge projects. And so free knowledge is this idea, uh, this commitment, this endeavor to make it possible for anyone anywhere to access knowledge materials for free and to modify them, to change them, to improve them, to like participate in further creating them. Um, so as I think about it, it's one of the most uh, generous collaborations in human history. It's basically saying we all know more together than we do apart. And we're going to use technology platforms to bring together all of the knowledge that humans have accumulated over the millennia. Uh, so it's a really optimistic project. And in its, you know, most robust format as Wikipedia, we have, you know, a billion and a half devices access it every month. So we also know that it's one of the world's most uh, ubiquitous websites. It's a thing people use all the time. And that's made it into, you know, a joke at times, uh, like a punchline for like, I, I learned it on Wikipedia, uh, something your teachers might warn you not to use, but then you as like a trusted older, you know, sibling or, or cousin or uncle might come to be like, I am dependent. I need this dear friend. Uh, and so, look, yeah, that's what it as is. A sessional, <laughs> as a sessional academic, I can confess to building entire classes off of a skeleton of a Wikipedia article, because when you're, and I love Wikipedia, but I can't tell my students to reference off it. I'm like, use it as your starting point as long as you go straight to the source, you know, or like if you just need a quick download of an issue, go there. Like, you know, it's so it's so useful. Um, I'm absolutely guilty of it and I love it. Honestly, I was thinking about this yesterday in anticipation of our chat and I don't think I feel the same sense of wonder on the internet anymore except when I'm down a Wikipedia sort of rabbit hole of just a random topic or a random like um yeah you just follow the rabbit hole where it goes and it's mm -hmm. just the yeah. internet is such a weird place at the best of times that the only sense of wonder i can seem to reclaim and like true just finding knowledge in a very joyful pace self-paced way is probably through a wikipedia sort of page so um love that it's easy to take for granted right like because it's just at our fingertips um i guess how long has this movement been around? Has it been since Wikipedia was incepted or is it something that pre-existed it? Yeah. Well, you know, Wikipedia has been around since January 15th, 20, uh, yeah, 2001. So it is like a fundamentally 21st century idea. Um, but the idea of sharing knowledge for free, um, I mean, obviously predates that. And, you know, a lot of our volunteers who make Wikipedia content feel that they're continuing projects from the Enlightenment you know, from uh, human history when it's like there have been so many initiatives to try to collect together all the things that humans know. Um, I think some of the animating factors in Wikipedia 
and our movement today are really open source culture. You know, the idea that software itself can can move faster if people can access the code itself and adjust it and edit it and contribute updates to the code uh, collaboratively. So a lot of what comes into Wikipedia really comes from uh, Linux and, you know, free software uh, movements, you know, and when you kind of look at Wikipedia today, it's this, it's, you know, it feels polished. It feels like this end point where you're like, wow, this is like a lot of knowledge. It's kind of like, you know, it, it still has that delightful early web aesthetic, but it looks pretty credible at this point because our editors have made it so refined. Uh, but beneath that is like an open source uh, piece of software that we run called MediaWiki. And all the content is licensed as Creative Commons, which is a, a, a way of sharing uh, material. It's a like update on intellectual property rights. So when, we, when you look at Wikipedia, you're actually seeing a number of, you know, free culture movements, ideas that culture should be more open and more participatory coming into one crystallized format, um, which is Wikipedia. Yeah, right. I mean... I mean, that's really fascinating as well. I guess my next question then really is around this idea of, you know, when we're talking about free knowledge in particular, you know, what's the difference between, say, information and knowledge, you know, or this idea of what is worth preserving and what is sort of ephemeral and just kind of something that, you know, pops and and disappears, you know, like, is that completely user-driven at this point? Um Ooh. Yeah. So our volunteers who are, I mean, some of the most extraordinary and generous people on earth are kind of constantly debating uh, notability, which is the discussion of whether or not something should be on Wikipedia. Um, and that's just on it. That's a topic level, right? Like should this actress or this football club have a Wikipedia article? Is okay. this notable? Right. Um, so there's a whole bunch of guidelines to make that choice, uh, but it is always a human choice. It's a debate. Uh, and then even within an article, you will see, uh, you know, debates about what density of information should be shared from personal life to, uh, you know, sc schooling. Um, and yeah, like when, when I think about the difference between information and knowledge, you know, I, I see a, a delineation that's about information feels very raw and knowledge feels very crafted, right? Like humans have put some framing on it to help somebody understand it. Mm. Uh, so it's not simply the temperature outside, it's how the temperature should be understood and contextualized. Is it a normal temperature? Is it an, a, a low temperature? You know, what could you expect to happen, right? It, I like to kind of think about it as like from weather to climate uh, is like one of the differences between like information to knowledge. Right. Wow. I mean, that brings to mind this idea of, you know, history is written by the winners, right? Like that that old adage. And as we've graduated from Encyclopedia Britannica to Encarta to now Wikipedia, and, you know, we'll get into the other things that the Wikimedia Foundation does too, because I know that free knowledge, this movement um, has a lot of different spokes, right? But you know, traditionally these things were fixed or a bit more fixed because of the technology being available. So I guess the interesting thing here is that with this sort of user-generated, um, very real-time updating of 
information and what's notable and what's not. Like the opportunity to be current is pretty unprecedented, right? But the opportunity for conflicting ideas of what should be on there, how things should be interpreted, this this idea of the human interpretation of information feels to me like a very contentious point, right? Like, you know, I've seen, uh, like, actually, are there any examples of, you know, Wikipedia pages on very notable events that have had a surprising amount of contention about how a particular event should be represented? Like, obviously, there'd be stuff like, I don't know, the conflicts in all over the world, right? Like where they identity based or around nationality. I think that's kind of a given. Are there any other surprising things that you've seen people flame each other over on Wikipedia where you're like, wow, I can't believe this is an issue. Well, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate that knowledge uh, is active, right? So it is like about engaging with, with different viewpoints and different uh, information sources. You know, you might say that like, you know, just as some say that democracy is a contact sport, you know, knowledge making in a participatory open platform is also like high contact. Um, and we want to make the interactions, you know, civil and constructive rather than, um, uncomfortable, personal Mm -hmm. or worse. Mm -hmm. Right. But as you're asking, like, you know, are there notable, uh, we call them edit wars. And, yes, oh, that's yes, the word I was are. looking for. Yeah, I bet. Edit wars. Yeah, there's been edit wars on all sorts of things, like cats. There's a very f- infamous edit war on the cats article on English Wikipedia, which is, okay. is a cat fundamentally a pet? Or is a cat, you know, like, is it a domestic pet? Or is it, you know, a feline who can sometimes be kept as a pet? Like what oh. is a more important core dimension of cats? Oh my God. So it's domesticity versus it's like inherent nature, like as a, that's right. or like it's, it. as, as opposed to its physical characteristics or its biology far out. That's right. You're like, okay, a cat is a feline, right? That's yeah. what it is. And it's like, but contextually it's almost exclusively known as a pet. So should you like lead with that? you know, a feline commonly kept as a pet. Oh my God. Uh, do we need pet in the first sentence or not? I think that was like a very long. Edit. Wow. And yeah, like, of course on, you know, uh, conflicts on, uh, delineations between nations on religious topics, you know, like you can expect conflict around, you know, edit, edit conflicts, like yep. debate where, where debate exists in society because Wikipedia is a mirror to society. So, you know, during, a a political season, you will see candidate articles like updated all the time. Right. right. But then, yeah, you will also see topics you wouldn't think is controversial. Um, like cat be edited to a great degree. Actually, can I, can I throw in an example that is close to my heart? Of, of course, yeah, throw it in. What so you got? I'm a, this is embarrassing, but I've admitted this, I think, a few times by now, but I'm a massive professional wrestling fan. And I realize, and I've seen, I don't really participate as much as I'm a, I'm a lurker. Like I love reading the dirt sheets about like what is supposedly happening behind the scenes and all the big federations. I love the drama, whatever. Um, I've been a lifelong fan. However, I notice some of the discourse around Wikipedia, so wrestlers have like a repertoire of 
moves that they use in their matches. And I know that there's been some discussion amongst the really dev- like devoted fan base on the, 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 they're known as the IWC, the internet wrestling community, um, about the inclusion of finishing moves and signature moves in the profiles of wrestlers. So traditionally, uh, you'd be able to look at a wrestler's profile and see what moves they've used, like what their signatures are. However, I believe there's been some discussion about whether that is worthy of inclusion on that page. And I think what it comes down to is this idea of, well, what's the source of truth for that statement? Because it's not Mm -hmm. like, because some people change their finishing moves from time to time. It's hard to know when they've stopped using them. This is getting very (laughs) technical. I love this. But this is a delay. But for me, I'm like, as a wrestling fan, like when I come across a new wrestler, pro wrestler, I want to know what their finishing moves are. I because I, it just says a lot about their character. So to not have to access that on something as like you haven't made it until you've got a Wikipedia page that people have argued over, I'm like, man, that's a really missing piece of the puzzle. But the idea here is this source of truth. Like what is the source of truth in reality that that is based on? Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there because that's how I've encountered it in my own bizarre way. And that's where I get lost down the rabbit hole in Wikipedia too. But I think... What I'm getting at here is this idea between like making knowledge free and actually participating in sort of inputting into knowledge. And I, I, I seize upon that point you made before about Wikipedia being a mirror to society, right? But is it fair to say that that's probably more aspirational than the actual reality, given some of the figures around participation in knowledge generation and, and all that? Strongly, yes. You know, when we truly do endeavor to have almost ubiquitous participation. I mean, I think that would be the, the real goal. And as you're saying, that's that's the aspiration, right? Is like, because when we think about it, there's like almost a philosophical premise behind Wikipedia and more broadly free knowledge, which is it would be truly like inclusive and um, powerful. You know, it would be closest to truth if it had many participants like almost all participants and that would include maybe being like oh i don't actually know anything about tuna you know or you know yellowtail so i'm gonna actually like abstain from participating in this but like knowing that you had the opportunity to participate and you chose not to would be an incredible like bit of progress but as you're saying you know we still have a massive way to go in terms of equitable participation um you know we have a, a gender gap yes uh, a great deal of our content um is basically focused on men uh you know in the english wikipedia about 18 percent of the articles that are about people are about women um, oh wow only 18 percent 18 percent of the biographies wow. okay yeah and so that is you know part of what's going on there well, it's, it's really like multi-factor. It's participation, who's feeling empowered to come on the platform and author content. Uh, and it's also history and references, which is basically if you have centuries of patriarchy, that shows up in the printed record as mm-hmm. like the printed record itself mostly is stories of men. You know, you can take any major city in the world and just do a study of the street names that are named after people. And you Mm -hmm. could say, how many of these are men? It's going to be most of the street names. 
So that's like a way of establishing notability and then having references to draw on in creating articles. Wow. So it's almost a bit self-perpetuating in some ways, like the longer these things go unaddressed, the more of a self-fulfilling kind of um, dynamic you get into where it's like, well, yeah, you've only got male sources of truth to draw upon and hence like unless there's a massive disruption, um, it can it can be easy to sort of perpetuate as well. Yeah, and that's that's why we want to we want to help that happen. Yeah. You know, it's like that's where Wikipedia is actually part of a network of knowledge making, right? Like we're you said, uh, you know, we are a central reference point, even like a source of truth. But down at the bottom of every one of our pages is references, which you also mentioned, like directing your students to, it's like, yeah, we want people to go read those as well. And even contest those because the art, the, the concept is no statement can be made without a reference to back it up. You know, like this wrestler was born here. Okay. According to who you should be able to track that. And that's where, you know, we depend in this like free knowledge ecosystem on journalists, on scholars, on activists pushing to open up archives uh, and help the world have you know more visibility into people who've not been present in as you said the like knowledge has been written by the winners so there's a lot of material about the winners right right that's something that like in order to have a more inclusive a true uh, you know global free knowledge, corpus you would want to have information coming in to inform the knowledge from all over the world and from all perspectives uh and so that's like this is what gets me very excited and makes me really honored to to work and to think with the people i do is it's just it is truly radical to imagine and to try to work towards more perspectives mm. on something like knowledge that's why even the word free doesn't just mean like it's free you can take it and use it, but also free, like liberate it, you know. Can you speak on that more? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, well. Just on we this like idea of what free really means in this context. Yeah. All right. So I should like say that the, you know, the usual kind of, uh, the, the usual nerdy statement that is a delightful statement is there's like free as in speech and free as in beer. Okay. Like, free as in speech, <laughs> you can you can say something. You can contest a point of view. Yep. You can articulate your truth. Free as in beer is like this beer I'm drinking does not cost me any money. Right. Wikipedia is interested in both. Right. Right. Okay. Free speech free and beer. In, Got it. Yeah. Free speech and free beer. We <laughs> want both things in the world. Right. Um, yeah. We want to see people be able to use our platform and our our content so that they can access it for free. They can uh, reuse it for free. They can visit it. There's no paywall on entry. We're entirely supported by donations to yep. keep things going. And then it's also free as in speech, like you can put your point of view in. You can bring your your vision here uh, you can participate in in crafting you know shaping ideally per perfecting and improving right. the knowledge in the world whichever topics you care about so it assumes a level of equity right or at least tries to create the conditions of well i guess this is all aspirational and probably something 
that you guys deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Um, so just uh, I, I might have to make this point in a slightly long-winded way. So just, just bear with me for a sec. I'm try, ready. Let's try and get to this point. So, um, so my my background is in extremism research and and polarization, and like that's my primary sort of starting point for a lot of things, like looking at the reasons why people choose radical violence or why people like why societies and communities split apart. And I look at that very much in the modern context, particularly how social media. And just the online world sort of fits into that. One of the things that I feel that I've noticed with a lot of social media and the challenges that we have is we had, we went from sources of knowledge that were very top down and that were very, the sources of information and truth were very few and very infrequent in comparison to now where we've got 24 hour news, uh, news cycles, we've got information we can access at all times. We've got so many different sources of information to draw upon. So social media, in my view, at least at the beginning, really flattened this playing field quite a bit. The issue we have now is by flattening the playing field, there's a, there's, there's a tendency to attribute false equivalencies between different sources of truth just because they look kind of the same as the way they are presented to the user, right? And unless you've got specialist knowledge to understand where certain things come from, or if you've got a certain level of digital literacy, it can be really hard to um, decipher these hierarchies of what's what's credible information, what's not. So, you know, the, the discussion I have with students is just because two things are ideological opposites, it doesn't mean they're actually opposites in terms of their their veracity of being true or being legitimate. Do you, how does Wikipedia sort of, well, firstly, does Wikipedia encounter those issues where you've got ideological opposites on a particular issue where the weight of history and just what we know is really high on one sense, but because of this idea of all information being free to be contested and challenged and offered, um, that it that it kind of increases in prominence? I'll give you an example there mm-hmm. that I, I think about, which is Holocaust denial, which is something that comes up a lot in my work. Um, You know, there's always been a certain segment of a population that have spouted Holocaust denial conspiracies, and it's largely been sort of just brushed off until maybe the last 20 or so years with the advent of the internet and Web 2.0. With those really contentious issues where those problems have massive ramifications for how communities get along or, you know, the discrimination faced by, you know, particularly members of Jewish communities. How does Wikipedia deal with those sorts of contestations of knowledge and like that freeness of speech? Mm, yeah. Well, it's like on Wikipedia, you have truly millions of articles. So English Wikipedia, 5 million articles. And, um, you know, we have German, French, Spanish, also with uh, millions of articles, um, so when you think about how many topics are being covered, it, it's a vast, wide range. And I say this to, to foreground that first, there are different editions of Wikipedia. So it's so human driven that it actually is culturally specific to language communities. And with that takes on perspectives of those language communities. That's really interesting. Like 
I've always wanted to just compare something like, I don't know, let's say the article on New York City across 10 languages. I've even looked at things like dance defined across 10, 20 languages to see kind of the beauty in the different emphasis uh, on, on like the photography uh, and all that. But what you're asking about is, is so important. It's how do you acknowledge one, when there's not an agreement Two, when there may be, you know, a, a great deal of evidence for one direction and maybe no evidence for another direction. Um, two things happen in our editing community, the volunteers who are making those choices. The first is that they aspire to something called neutral point of view, which is that they're trying to write things in ways, in a kind of language that acknowledges what's happening. Um, so like, you know, while maybe saying that there's disagreement, right? So if you look at an article that would definitely be controversial, like, uh, Donald J. Trump, you're going to find that the discussion about his policies and them being unpopular is presented in language that's trying to be as descriptive to the fact as possible. Instead of saying these were stupid policies, you say like, he had policies on immigration, which proved unpopular or better, which a Pew study found to be unpopular to X percent of Americans. Like that is the aspiration in, in kind of going from sentiment to knowledge, like trying to describe like what can be measured. Yeah, um, that's that's really that's a really interesting way of doing it, because I guess it gives you something to challenge or to make. It frees up the information to be challenged or to be understood deeper rather than because you can measure whether people felt a certain way about it, but you can't necessarily measure whether something was stupid or not, like just to use that analogy. Um, oh, yeah. There's yeah. even this set of terms that are banned on Wikipedia right. articles okay. right. called weasel words, <laughs> which are which are basically phrases people use to win debates in bars. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> You know, like Absolutely. many say, as we all know, yeah. Uh, you know, there are these like phrases that define a, a kind of a consensus or a, a body of agreement that you can't substantiate. Mm. They, it's the, it's the, it's the ever elusive they. You know, like the specter of of they. That's so. Um, that's really really interesting. I mean, I kind of want to look towards the future, but I've got a question that's kind of burning me at the moment that I might throw out there. See if Let's you get into it. You know, yeah. which is just around again. This I, I'm a bit of a conflict person, aren't I? But um, I'm just thinking in terms of sensitive information that may be on Wikipedia that people have shared. You know, regarding um, things that would could potentially be libelous or or you know unflattering on particular figures of prominence again if someone's had allegations made against them particularly if they're in a position of influence i imagine there'd be a scramble or an edit war to take that down you know does wikipedia as an organization come up against challenges where they're being sent like does wiki does wikipedia bear the brunt of censorship sort of um efforts or is that something that tends to happen to the sources that people rely on to to upload to wikipedia Wow, really? Yeah. Big question. Yeah, big area. Of course. So the first thing I'll say is vandalism is a 
is something we're really mindful of, right? It's, it's when an edit or a change is made to Wikipedia content uh, that is misleading or yeah, harmful. And we're pretty fast in reversing uh, vandalism. Like our community are, are just, you know, one of the reasons you were saying earlier that if you added a finishing move to an article, it might, it would be deleted is because like, there's kind of a, you know, there's a real like tendency to see new changes as maybe like see them first as inaccurate or misleading and second as, okay, that's right. Um, you know, and it's like, and sometimes people will even kind of restore the page before the edit while they check it out to just kind of like be like, all right, let's see what this is. And of course, vandalism happens a lot in sports articles or in uh, like pop culture, you know, like during a football match, somebody who who does something amazing might be like edited to be kind of the king of Spain, you know, because of an amazing strike versus if they do something <laughs> terrible, they could be also kind of blasphemed on Wikipedia. Right. And we call these all broadly, these are edits that are vandalism. Okay. Um, when it comes to like more sensitive things, like edits are made or information is shared and then a government reacts, um, you know, that, that can happen, that does happen. And our community are the ultimate deciders on, on content. Um, so they're the ones who are really steadfast in, in patrolling this um, and working on it. And, you know, it's like when we look at moments when the Wikipedia site has been blocked, it has happened. Um, you know, we're currently blocked in China, in both Chinese and English. And we were blocked in Turkey um, for almost two and a half years, where, you know, there was some concerns about things that were on Wikipedia that the government, um, you know, did not find to their alignment. Now here, what we, you know, we come back to this idea of NPOV, right? Like we really want people to participate in knowledge making. And so to do that, they need to have access. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, NPOV, neutral point of view? Neutral point of view. Got it. Yeah, All sorry. right. Just, just, just elaborating. NPOV. Yeah, cool. Got it. Yeah. So like when we think of NPOV, NPOV depends on lots of participation. Mm -hmm. It depends on lots of people helping to make the point of view neutral, right? Because it's actually hard for a single individual to be neutral, right? It actually comes across through lots of people touching something and kind of sanding at it and trying to make it into uh, a statement that is true and descriptive uh, that has a reference, but that no longer has that strong sentiment in it, right? That could be a personal point of view. Uh, you know, it's like you could almost see it as the move from personal point of view to collective point of view, right, which Wikipedia works on. So when we get blocked in a country, one of the great losses is the opportunity for people in that country to author the content. That's one of the biggest losses. Um, that's what we really focused on when we told the story of the Turkish block. We ran a campaign called We Miss Turkey. Because oh, wow. the real loss was yeah. that we were missing the Turkish perspective, the Turkish knowledge community, the, all of the Turkish journalists, historians, photographers, uh, you know, people who are specialists in myth and archaeology. You know, it's like they all became unable to author content, not just in Turkish, but in English and German and, and any other language. So we 
it wasn't just that Wikipedia was no longer a resource to the Turkish people. It was that the world was losing Turkish knowledge. Mm. Wow. That's a really powerful reframing of that. Um, and to me, it kind of brings up again this idea of like participating in knowledge as opposed to just making it free, right? You know, just to circle back to the disparities you were talking about in who's sort of contributing to like this free knowledge, are those disparities you see across um, like Wikipedia's many languages that exist? How many languages does Wikipedia exist in again? Is it 200? Almost 300. 300, yeah. okay. Do you see those disparities in contributions across the board or are they different depending on which language context? Different depending on the language context, for sure. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and you know, but what you would definitely see is it's a it's you know it's so community driven that it's basically about the strength of the community, the size, uh, the 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 level of activity, and the priorities of that community. What are they working on, right? Like, what do they want to build? You know, our communities. Um, Basically, you know, when you start to think about the project's goals, like, all right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to, in writing, right? So that's another limiting factor, the media format of writing, right? Which assumes, as you said, literacy, digital literacy to craft it, but then literacy, literacy to, to read and engage it and edit it. Uh, so you have writing mm. and you're like, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and do all the world's knowledge. Where should we start? Right. Like what should what should we do first? What should we do second? Um, and, you know, some communities are like, do what you feel motivated about. Like, let's start. And, you you know, a small article on any wiki is called a stub. Yes. It's just a little thing. It's like a placeholder, like a, a poodle is a dog, period, <laughs> safe. <laughs> like, but a cat. Like, is domestic cats a pet or not <laughs> exactly right. so not, not small enough to be a stub but again one of those contextual sort of, sort of arguments yeah so you have people that are like all right let's go ahead and start and then you go deep into certain topics um and you know there's a question a lot of times in the world today within our communities around like authoring content in uh indigenous languages versus colonial languages, which are often the languages of instruction, right? So like take like our community in Nigeria who are just extraordinary, amazing, super active, you know, they have a question in when they want to create knowledge material of like, should it happen in Yoruba or Igbo or should it happen in English, which is the, the scholastic language? Like that's what you would be engaging in in school. So when you think about utility, you're like, oh, you know, if we, if those communities will, will examine, like if we made content about Nigeria, Nigerian topics, Nigerian history in English, it would be more accessible to students because they have to write in English. But then there's other, there's another perspective on this, which is, but that's us perpetuating the centrality of English rather than, you know, centering Yoruba. Uh, centering Igbo and centering the sources in Yoruba and Igbo that we want to draw more attention to. I mean, it's like, that's a big, and so then what you have happened is, uh, you know, those, those challenges around language um, become a big thing. 
you know, for, for those communities in making a decision about where to put an incredibly precious resource, which is human time and attention. Like what are our volunteers focus on is like, the, it's their generosity. So it really is like, ah, what, sh- what should we do? What's most urgent? Yeah, sure. I mean, and how does, well, actually, is that one of the biggest challenges that you generally have at Wikipedia at the moment in, in sort of this movement? Like, is it around ensuring access? Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll let you sort of speak to that more rather than put words in your mouth. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you, you face as an organization in terms of trying to forward this free knowledge movement? I mean, I don't think I could even summarize it. I feel I, feel I don't even. But I, what I'll say is, uh, as, as context is that, you know, what's extraordinary is when you really count up how many volunteers are powering free knowledge on Wikipedia and on the Wikimedia projects, it's about 250,000 people. So it's, it's about a quarter of a million people. That's globally? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's a, I think that's a really low number. I was going to say, that's very small. Like, that <laughs> so, sounds... I mean, there's a problem. Right, <laughs> like, okay. You know? And then you're like, wow. Um, so those 250 people are maintaining a website that is incredibly ubiquitous. Yeah, You know, right. reused by big technology companies around the world uh and therefore also a source of truth and information uh you know truth not as the aspiration for us but truth as in people may receive it as this is the the defining detail mm. the defining record for you know hundreds of millions of people so the scale of our volunteers and and the responsibility that they face in kind of trying to maintain this all is a lot it's a a great it's a great challenge so i would say the biggest thing we want to do is add more people and find you know ways to empower our our volunteers with you know tools technology grants we have a lot of grants that we we write for people so that they can scale work um but yeah basically it's like when you think about like how does instagram keep going and it's like well everyone takes photos all the time or shares posts. And that means like every user of Instagram is also like creating the world of Instagram. And we have a very different dynamic where like not every reader of Wikipedia is a Wikipedia writer. Guilty. But we'd want that to happen. That would be like the long dream is to say like everyone should be find themselves saying, oh, whether it's a, a typo or you know, a reference that, you know, on a topic, Mm. like if you know a finishing move, that's not in the article that you should put it in. I know so many. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The point is it'd get deleted no matter who I put it on, but that's a whole other subject. But, uh, you know, this idea of how to actually participate in free knowledge is something that I've only learned about really um, through choosing to engage with this with the with the research that's out there or just like the information that's out there is that something you can just elaborate on for us in terms of how does like is the only way to participate in free knowledge about editing wikipedia articles what are the other ways people can get involved in free knowledge generally this culture oh yeah well so you can you know you can definitely edit an article on wikipedia um but you can also offer photographs um, through a project we have called Wikimedia Commons. And we have photo contests uh, around the year because there's actually a lot of things 
that we don't even, I mean, I'll just say it in a weird way. We don't know what they look like. Monuments, historical sites, parks, uh, you know, buildings that are on national records, you know, some, some things that we run are contests like wiki loves monuments and wiki loves nature. Um, and what happens is that an editor will create a list of monuments or parks that just don't have any photographs. And you can go on to, uh, one of these contests when they run and just like, you know, enter where, where you are in the world mm. and you will see pop up on a map, probably buildings you walk by every day right. that just don't have a photograph on Wikipedia. And you could go take that photograph. Um, yeah, it's like, so that would be, you know, participating through photography. Um, we also have some projects that people might not know as much about, like a travel guide uh, called Wiki Voyage. And if you love to travel, you could write that and help people find you know, great restaurants and great sites to visit. Um, we have a thing called uh, Wikidata, which is increasingly getting used by voice assistants. You know, if you ask Alexa, you know, how far is the moon from the earth, it'll spit back a number and that number is coming from Wikidata. Wow. Yeah. So That's you can amazing. just like enter little figures into structured data um, that will get used all the time. So yeah, it's like, there's a number of, of projects that have different things. And then, of course, there's even Wiktionary. You know, an early debate in the history of Wikipedia was, should Wikipedia define words? Oh, wow. Okay. And the answer became no, and that became Wiktionary. Like, when we say boat, we want an encyclopedia entry about boat, not, you know, a vehicle floating on water. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> wow. What about, because I guess, you know, just to come back to this idea of participation and access to participate, um, what about people that don't necessarily have uh, writing or, you know, literacy skills or digital literacy skills or technology to participate? Are they precluded from participating in the free knowledge movement? Is that a gap that needs to be filled? Or is there other ways that free knowledge is advocated for that don't require on that don't require people to generate that knowledge themselves. That's a great question. Yeah. I think this is an area where we're trying to improve right now, right? Just, you know, we're looking at ways to interface with our movement to participate is uh, it's a constant growth area. And, you know, one area we're excited about is, uh, mobile devices, right? Like how, as mobile devices become incredibly, you know, I don't want to say incredibly common, but common mm. growing in, 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 um, in participation and visibility and usage and, and adoption, you know, in India, for example, there's the, the geophone and KaiOS as a platform for giving people access to actually, uh, material over a, a lighter, phone, which is cheaper and for data access. We're basically looking at ways that people can access knowledge material and then like edit it. And when we say edit, I'm talking here more of the spirit of making a change or an adjustment rather than a literal kind of text edit, right? Like how could we make it so that it's actually a, a fun but difficult UX challenge, right? Like if you heard a Wikipedia article read to you, 
and you realized something was wrong with it, could you speak back to an interface to change it? Yeah, right. That's like when we start to think about how, I feel your question is really, you know, pointing at what is the future of free knowledge, both the formats and the participation. Right. And there, I just say that we're not, we're not done at all. Um, you know, the world changes, formats change, internet connectivity changes. Uh, and, and we have to be innovative in thinking of how people can participate in making knowledge from where they are with the tools and the literacy and the understandings that they have. Yeah, right. Sorry, it's just given me a lot of thought for pause at the moment. Um, I guess. Oh, yeah, like I should tell you right now, yeah. the thing about this, because it's so interesting, Costa, is, you know, oral history is a really interesting topic. Right. Because again, when I said that we depend on references, like those references are published, print or, you know, published to the web. And right now, you know, there's a lot of cultures in the world that have oral history about topics. And, you know, there's some of our most uh, innovative communities. Uh, some are in, are in Africa and they're looking at how oral knowledge should, should come in. You know, is a recording made? Is the recording assigned to the speaker? Um, how do you actually bring in, you know, different types of even knowledge references. And then as you're saying, you, again, you're directing your students and they find themselves possibly like listening to a recording uh, rather than reading something. Yeah. So it's really multifaceted or the potential to be more multifaceted is still pretty infinite, isn't it? You it really know, is. Like, you know, you go on a, uh, a Wikipedia page about a country and you've got a little snippet of their national anthem, for example. I don't know why I get a real kick out of that. <laughs> or, oh yeah, you know, that's great. You know, and the other things I love are just like, um, like I'm a bit of an etymology nerd. Like I love just knowing where words come from and just like f trying to find the most descriptive way to like trying to understand how people would have used the most descriptive language they had possible to sort of describe something. Um, but I love, you know, clicking on some concept and seeing like, oh, the root of this is, I don't know, yeah, Yoruba or Igbo or something like that, clicking on that and then reading about like, oh, you know, the Igbo language is the traditional language of blah, 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 blah. you know, like, and then going down that rabbit hole that way. That's the sort of um, those journeys, you know, those, those moments of wonder that I have on the Wikipedia page. Um, and, you know, and the ability to sort of, understand these things in a multi-sensory way, I guess is one step in the way of um, increasing access if people learn about things in different ways. Um, I guess, and that's actually a good point to sort of think about how do we get, you know, when we think about like reasons for participating in free knowledge and, you know, the different ways we can actually get involved. Um, you know, obviously part of the Wikipedia Foundation's work is, I guess shepherding these communities around the world to to participate. Have there been any significant learnings about what makes people uh, eager, or enthusiastic, or build communities around like free knowledge participation? Like, what would you say are some good takeaways from, you know, people get excited about participating in free knowledge when these sorts of variables exist? Do you have any thoughts on some of those conditions? 
I have so many colleagues uh, who are who are so much more informed on this than sure, me because sure. they're the ones who really make this happen. Got it. Um, and and what I would say, watching the work that they do, um, this is these are my colleagues who who are on the grants uh, side of Wikimedia Foundation, who are on the product side, uh, who are in the partnership side, is actually that you know because it's a human project, relationships are really important, and actually like bringing people together. So one of the most vital things we can do is create shared spaces, times, and places for making content and editing it. We call these things edit-a-thons. So it's like there's always content editing going on, but at an edit-a-thon, it's like a festival with a focus on a set of topics. And it might be, uh, you know, black history. It might be uh, African cinema, which uh, our Nigerian community have led a number of initiatives to say, hey, you know what? There's not enough Wikipedia articles on African cinema. Like, and that means that the world, when it Googles these uh, these films, these titles, doesn't get a lot of information. And so, you know, you do an edit-a-thon. That's been a really powerful way to to really like get things going. And you still have a lot of cultural specificity and agency when the topic and the terms and you know how it's organized at what time with what snacks and what uh speakers or you know resources that can be set with the local communities they can say all right if we want to succeed on you know film titles this is what we're going to need to be successful right okay so like highly localized specific action oriented like community spaces where people come together for that specific purpose that's cool. Like, I, I mean, I haven't come across anything like that here. Do they happen all over the world? They do. I mean, we need, we should have a whole lot more of them so that they can be, again, like common enough for you and any of the listeners to run into. It's, you know, sometimes the people who can show up are very surprising. We had one in L.A. one time and it ended up being attended by a number of celebrities. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What, what was um, the topic? I think the topic was women in history. It was oh, about great. gender gap. So it oh, was about, fantastic. you know, and these, these were uh, actresses and they said, you know, my, my family, my sons, my daughters, um, they're relying on Wikipedia to understand the world around them. And I want them to see a more inclusive and diverse world where it's just not just like white dudes, uh, you know, with Wikipedia articles and women aren't there. And so, you know, that was a really fun, uh, I mean, incredibly big moment. But as you're asking, like, there are edit-a-thons all the time. Of course, COVID has made us bring these virtual. And, you know, it's like like a lot of things, it's it's really more fun in person. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. You, you do the best in the circumstances. But, I mean, the, the ability to even have remote sort of edit-a-thons is still a possibility that's worth exploring until kind of the world opens back up, right? Yeah, we just did one for Earth Day that was virtual and had a number of people join across, you know, all time zones, um, bringing, you know, it's actually a surreal topic. Like the Wikipedia article on Earth yep. is like an incredibly refined article. Lots of, that's a good example of both the humor and the delight of edit warring, where it's like, what do you put on the Earth article when anyone on Earth can edit it? Yeah. Wow, it's like try, it's like something trying to define itself, isn't it? 
Yeah, like yeah. there's also a Wikipedia article on Wikipedia where you can go see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, not only does the Earth page represent kind of the delights of Wikipedia, but also just sort of the the weirdness and even some of the potential for um, weird information to be on there. Like, you know, if we're looking at flat earth sort of stuff, does that come into that sort of page at all? From I don't know. We should look. You should have a look. Uh, <laughs> but I just wonder, you know. Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see. Of course. Where, you know, there's a lot of people who believe that despite the sort of the, the best knowledge that we have available saying the contrary. Um, I guess just as we sort of start to dovetail out of this just conversation that I could probably keep going on forever. Um, what would you say to people who have never really dipped their toes in this issue before? Like why should they care and what are some of the first steps they could take to be involved? Ooh. Wikipedia is really an effort towards the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so in contrast to a lot of what we do online, which is write an email or make a post, which is really all about like timely, you know, short term yep. media efforts. Wikipedia is very much like you are writing something for the future. You're writing something for somebody else to learn from, to understand the world better. And I like to just encourage people from a real emotional place that like, you know, something, you probably know a lot of things. And if you could share some of the things, you know, you know, the references that you have for those things, Uh, it could be about your community. It could be about your school. It could be about your favorite, uh, you know, actor, scholar, scientist, um, film, you're actually enriching the world for others. It's incredibly generous to, to participate in free knowledge because you're basically making a donation to human understanding and to take part in that you should find the things on Wikipedia that you care about that look a little, I would say bereft, like thin, like find the thin areas about things you know about. And you will find that in those areas, you know, help is welcome. Um, Edits are welcome. Photographs are welcome. References are welcome. Um, people want those things to grow. And that's also true about, you know, our other projects, uh, Wikidata, Wikicommons, where we're trying to collect photographs and data points. Um, there really is like, you know, I started editing Wikipedia when I was in high school and I, I basically added, it's very selfish, but I added to my high school's page because I discovered that the rival high school had a much bigger page. <laughs> so like, it's okay to be selfish. Wow. Uh, you can be like, these are the things I care about. So I'm going to work on them. And later I started to notice all these adjacent topics that weren't really well covered, but were maybe a more neutral, like uh, communities, how many people lived there. You know, there's a park, you know, in, in my town, it didn't have uh, almost any definition. So I looked up, you know, when it was founded, you start adding small things. It's really a Lego brick process. Like you're just like, just add a Lego brick. And the magical thing is you're going to find out you're not alone. Someone else will come there and like build on top of it. And that is the most magical experience you can have is like you start putting heat, care and love into something. And then other people show up too. And you really do have the feeling of 
you know, raising a barn together, like you realize that, you know, after a few weeks or even a few months, you've, you've actually made something really rich. And now it's that rich for anybody. Like anyone in the world who looks that up or encounters it has been like improved by your understanding. And I would, I'm going to say thank you in advance for doing that. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) No, of course. And I guess, you know, outside of Wikimedia Foundation as well, are there other ways to participate in this movement more generally? Or would you see Wikimedia as like the, the sort of the primary proponent? Oh, there's a, I mean, you know, in, when we think of the web today, you know, kind of zooming out of the Wikimedia projects, you know, there are parts of the web that are really trying to collect things, uh, things, knowledge, insights that are free for other people to use. So for example, ICS is very related to uh, the Noun Project, which is like an you know extraordinary effort to create icons for all sorts of topics around the world. Um, you know, I, I participate a lot on, on Noun Project personally as a volunteer, and I'm always trying to, you, you wouldn't even believe the amount of things that don't have an icon, you know, like you'll find there's like, you know, a hundred penguin icons, but there may be like a bird in your community that like no one has an icon for. Right. Okay. Wow. Basically like gender gaps, culture gaps exist on the internet everywhere. Yes. Um, And that's how I think that if you're trying to, to work on gender diversity, culture gaps on the internet, you Mm. are spiritually a part of the Wikimedia movement and the movement for free knowledge. The idea of like, if you're giving something to the kind of collective of the web that other people can access and use, you're, you're doing it. Like there's, yeah, that's some of the places. And of course, like we also have, you know, a lot of, there's lots of parts that keep this thing going. Like, um, you know, we have the internet archive or archive.org they collect a lot of media files, even books and sources. So maybe you're interested in that. Um, if you're a lawyer, way to go. Uh, <laughs> lots of room for lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> you can okay. work on Creative Commons and the licensing or even uh, the, the Electronic Frontier Foundation or the EFF, which is like, you know, a bit of the, the ACLU slash Amnesty International of like internet policy and internet law. That's, Mm. I mean, you know, I would even be like, I wish I had a a simple website to be like, tell me how activist you are. Tell me like the things you want to do. Right. Tell me like what culture you want to participate in and that it would just pop it out. Cause there's a lot. (laughs) Hey, maybe that's Wikimedia's next project to have a map for people to fit into this free knowledge movement. I know our designers love the noun project. So, you know, like, but it sounds like there's a place and a space for all. Um, and we're still trying to figure out where to fit everyone in. So, you know, and maybe that's the next challenge where we can help people find their place within this broader, really important movement. Man, that's totally. really been really fascinating. Zach, I think I'll leave it there, but thank you so much for just like a really, just a really stimulating, like kind of hopeful conversation. Um, just, you know, if anyone is curious about your work, um, or, you know, you yourself, if you, if you do other things, where can people find you or stuff about your work? Well, 
you can find all about all about uh, the Wikimedia Foundation at just wikimediafoundation.org. Um, a lot of our top line projects are there, um, and you can yeah, that's where you can find out more about the nonprofit you know behind Wikipedia, which you know our projects are supported by that. Mm. Um, for myself, you know, if you want to come see the things that I'm working on. Uh, right now, I'm working on a, a petroglyph project. I'm oh, trying to a what? Sorry, petroglyph rock art. A oh, rock art. Ancient oh, rock art. Got it. Got it. Yeah. See, I'm doing that's like the etymology brain. <laughs> You're all about it. Exactly. Like I'm basically making a bunch of petroglyphs, uh, wow. rock art examples from around the world. I'm trying to do 50 by September, and you can follow that on my Instagram, which is just Z McCune M C C U N E. That's my Instagram handle. And you can see what I'm doing with that. Oh, that sounds amazing. And so specific and niche, but so cool. There's like, it's a gap. There's almost no documentation. Wow. (laughs) I found it and I'm working on it. I'm worried. It's like, you know, you find yourself being like, oh, I really like a book of petroglyphs from around the world. And then you discover that people have only done these like very niche studies on like individual sites. And I'm like, I really want all of them. Okay, great. (laughs) Oh, well. Hopefully you'll get some new Facebook stalkers as a result of putting that out there because that sounds super interesting. Zach, thank you so much for today's conversation and um, yeah, stay safe and I'm sure we'll reconnect again. Costa, it's been a joy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You have been listening to Undesign, a series of conversations about the big issues that matter to all of us. Undesign is made possible by the wonderful team at Draw History, And if you want to learn more about each guest or each topic, we have curated a suite of resources and reflections for you on our undesigned page at www.drawhistory.com. Thank you to the talented Jimmy Lindbull for editing and mixing our audio. Special thank you to our guest for joining us and showing us how important we all are in redesigning our world's futures. And last but not least, a huge thank you to you, our dear listeners, for joining us on this journey of discovery and hope. The future needs you. Make sure you stay on the journey with us by subscribing to Undesign on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available.